0: Okay, so, receiving me loud and clear?
1: Uh, there's a bit of disturbance on your side, I think. Can you hear me clearly?
0: Yep, I can hear you clearly, as long as you can hear me clearly. What about now?
1: Yeah, it's better now. Okay.
0: Okay, yep. So, uh, today, I actually left to see the day when the Gurdwara did not serve Paneer oh oh wait the Gortwa didn't serve
1: paneer at all or didn't serve That's paneer all. to you
0: I don't know didn't serve paneer at all
1: uh, okay trying to attract the green politicians I see
0: <laughs> anyhow before we start I guess I got two little stories number one is that I had goat last night uh, we went out and killed it and then we have got it so It's still there. Cooked it up. Pretty nice. goat meat. You you just get this other form of a josh in your bones, don't you? Like once you eat it, like, you know, bring on a whole army. I can take on a whole army.
1: Did he shoot it or used the sharpest weapon? Shot. With? A gun. What kind of gun?
0: I didn't do the shooting. It was actually a friend who did the shooting because personally speaking, I would have just preferred to use arrows. But obviously, with the the animal cruelty, it's the way they're going currently at the moment. (laughs) I just avoided all the fanfare and decided, okay, look, whoever picks up the gun first can shoot it. And it was wandering around, roaming around on a hill. Farmer decided to tell us to, you know, do with it what we want to. And well, the boy had a gun, ex-military, sharpshooter. He showed us his skill. Understood. Must have been tasty. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty tasty. I mean, it's like, I mean, I just heard it last night and now um, I'm, I just feel like I can take on the whole world, to be honest.
1: <laughs> so aren't you feeling glad that, that the good did not serve any to you?
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many people are going to listen to this and they will not be glad that we consume meat.
1: Well, the very first thing that you gotta give the other person is freedom of choice.
0: (laughs) Leaving that aside, given that uh, we still have a long way to go regarding freedom of choice, I got a little story I want to share with you. You know Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, I think I heard of the fella. Yep.
1: Yeah, met him twice.
0: Yep. Pretty. Genius Italian inventor, painted the Mona Lisa, and he did a whole host of other stuff besides, I mean, he was talented in, you know, art, talented in medical science. He's actually seen as being one of the fathers, one of the forerunners to medical science, uh, inventor, sculpture, you name it, he did it. And, uh, oh, yeah, he had a pretty impressive beard as well. So, yeah, that's very important to have a beard. (laughs) Anyway. yes. You know, if you look at it from a particular perspective, Da Vinci took inspiration from nature. And what happened one day, if I was to put it in a Gurbani terms, he did Sangat of Kudrat. And while doing Sangat of Kudrat, what he saw, what he observed was that a nut fell off a tree. And a crow came along and took this nut in its mouth and flew away to consume it. And then by accident, this crow drops the nut right into a crevice, a crack near a wall. And now this is where da Vinci decided that, you know, he remembered this incident and he decided to fabulize it, like, you know, fictionalize it a bit. And so he wrote a dialogue where the nut begs the wall that I'm a little insignificant nut removed far from my father tree. You're a mighty expensive wall. Can you please hide me? And the wall decides after a while that, you know what? Oh, I don't stand to lose anything. I'll help this poor fella out. 10 to 12 years later, when Da Vinci returned to the same spot, what he saw was that same nut had grown into a tree which had torn the wall apart. Interesting. And the lesson... T- da Vinci totally took- not expected.
1: Pardon? totally not expected.
0: And the lesson Da Vinci took from this, it's pretty amazing, is that there are people whose nature, whose nature has it that they will, you know, always attract misfortune and discare. Some people are like that.
1: I've known quite a few of
0: them. No matter what you do to them, no matter how much you push them to succeed, they will never succeed in life. Uh, I mean, even Pakht Kabir has a Shabbat in Gurbani, such as I mean, if after all, if the Sikhs are like the nut, it's in their nature to tear everything apart, then what can the true Sadhguru do anyway to those Sikhs? Think about it for a minute.
1: I'm actually. Uh... Similar story, I think, was told by President Donald Trump in his, one of his campaign rallies. Yep. His intention was a little bit different, but the outcome of the story is the same. You, let's say, the path to hell is paved with good intentions.
0: Paved with good intentions. I mean, at the end of the day, the rule is, Da Vinci's rule is that you avoid such people who are magnets for despair and misfortune no sense of religion, spirituality, selflessness, altruism, charity is ever going to help those individuals sort their life out. You know, never do their sangat is essentially what he's saying. Never take any virtue from them. I mean, the process of sangat is that you observe, you comprehend, and you take virtues and principles from, you know, what you have seen. And the fact is that what Da Vinci said was that, you know, from what he understood, historically speaking, I mean, if you look at Cassius and Brutus, Cassius misled Brutus into assassinating Caesar. And the fact is that William Shakespeare actually uh, fictionalized this dialogue between Caesar and another uh, character And where Caesar tells him that I'll avoid Cassius because that man is so full of despair, it will affect afflict me as well. And so, you know, so... So much despair was in Cassius that he actually went and you know wound up Brutus against Caesar. And Brutus went and assassinated Caesar, but ultimately, before he died, he realized that had he stuck close to Caesar and not listened to Cassius, not listened to the nut, he wouldn't be in the position of a wall that he would be torn apart. He would have succeeded Caesar and he would have been, you know, the most powerful man in Rome. Obviously, what happened is history but it's just one of those things in life that you sort of comprehend as you live life
1: you comprehend as you
0: live mhm and i guess it's very relevant to what we were about to discuss regarding lessons we can learn from israel i mean was israel the nut i would say israel was the nut which stuck to its nature tore apart the wall of you know the british empire you know, colonialism, because after all, the British did try betraying and, you know, renegating on their promise to establish it, but the Israelis stuck to their guns and look what they've achieved today. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that uh, this is a justification for uh, the human rights violations which they're accused of from time to time, but reality being, you know, from a nut they became a tree. Sometimes it's not a grievous sin to look at only for yourself. Would you agree with that?
1: Repeat your last sentence,
0: please. Sometimes that's not a grievous sin to only look out for yourself.
1: It is some, sometimes, or is it most of the times?
0: So you make a valid point. You make a valid point. As I, I, I agree with you most of the times. Now, if you look at the history of the Sikh Gurus, Guru Gobind Singh Ji, many people accuse him that you know he didn't support Shivaji Murati, but the reality is that the Guru was looking out for the Sikhs. You know, He had a mission. He was following the path to that mission.
1: And- let's start from a very, very simple starting point. Okay, yep. You might earn for yourself. You might earn for your family. Could be your parents, could be your wife, could be your children.
0: Yeah? Yep.
1: You might earn to donate to a cause, let's say. Yep. But are you earning that you can distribute your money to everybody around you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you might go crazy and do that, but as a general do, rule, do we do that? No. You even give pocket money to your own children. You don't give all your money to them and okay, okay, do whatever you want. No, you allocate your limited resources carefully.
0: Resources are always going to be limited in life. I mean, that's one of the rules of life. Resources will always be limited, and you just have to make the best of what you have.
1: So, in this case, if you are, let's say, weekly, let's say, I'm giving, let's say, $50 to my my kid. Hmm. Is that being selfish?
0: No. Yeah, fair enough. So, it's not sometimes, it's most of the times. It's most of the times. And I mean... If you look at the history of the Sikhs themselves as well, how many times people accuse us of saying that you didn't support this national clause, blah, 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 you didn't support the Marathas, you didn't support the Rajputs, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Everyone was looking out for themselves. End of the day, we had a mission to cultivate and that was Baba Nanak's mission. We did the best we could. We weren't fighting another uh, people's war or another community's war or whatever we are being you know, accused of today even look at the 1857 mutiny. We had Sikhs fighting alongside the mutineers, but then we had a majority which were fighting against those Sikhs and the mutineers themselves, because they felt that it was more prudent now to live with the fact that the British were, you know, a powerful force which could never be removed by the strength of arms. Mm. You know, that's, that's something which ultimately not many factions agreed with, not many Sikhs agreed with, but it was a reality. And I guess at the end of the day, if you look at Israel, you can only bend reality so far. I mean, they bent it enough to get their own country, but today they can't really bend reality and say all oh, their problems will go away if we you know, disable our security apparatus or if we don't do this, we don't do that. Real The reality they face is that they've got a people on their border who are obviously in conflict with them and they have to preserve their own interests no matter how archaic those interests seem to us and they will do whatever they have to do to preserve those interests. At the end of the day, if you think building a country is going to endear you to your you know, neighbors or people who oppose you, that's, that's not a fact. That's just a myth. Hmm. I mean, Taking the nut and the wall, you know, story again. When the pundits came to Guru Teegabad, Guru Badr never conceded on Baba Nanak's mission, did he? Of course not. The lead-up to that event where he actually goes and courts arrested, Sir the refuses to be rescued and dies, it indicates that that was a very foresighted move, one he had been planning for a long time, and the pundit story is just an embellishment. Now it's become an embellishment saying that you know he only did it for them when the reality is he did it for freedom of conscience. And he did it to fool Aurangzeb that you know the guru is dead, the Sikhs are a spent force, except he already had a successor who was being trained in that. You know, it's the nut and the wall thing all over again. Sikhs have a habit of becoming the wall. It's, it's a general fact of our history that we become the wall for others and those others tear us apart. You know, at the end of the day, that's reality. That's quite a big reality which we need to face up to that we have always been acting as the wall for others when in reality, there have been those nuts which will always tear us apart.
1: Translation, you support the Israeli wall.
0: At the end of the day, you need to understand something. A country will do quite a lot to save itself. I mean, recently we have been seeing this case, the Bantkore case. You must have heard about it.
1: Uh, The Canadian one?
0: Yeah. 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 Now, look. The fact is it's a tragedy and a catastrophe for the family that she went down there and decided to, you know, say that I'm not bringing the boy over and he decided to kill himself. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you need to think about all these situations when we complain that those governments are getting hard and not letting us into the countries. Those governments are doing what they have to do to protect the interests and image of their country. Okay, and, so, okay. And, that's now just a small, that's it. just, That's just a small unrelated example which I'm giving. So when it comes to security and defense, imagine what they will do then. Mm, Correct.
1: It's it's actually quite interesting because Canada and and America, they only share one border: Canada with America, America with Mexico and Canada, yeah? Yep. Imagine if United States of America was located, let's say, In North Africa, let's say. Yep. Or maybe Africa was like, maybe less than a 100 miles from America, let's say. Yep. What would we, their policies then? In New Zealand, we are far removed from any other country. Our neighbors are very friendly, Australia and the island nations, that's it. Yep. But if we had North Korea about... Let's say even 500 kilometers from us, you would have a very, very strong navy, because you don't want even a single incident, a security breach by the uh, by the enemy country.
0: One thing which I like to relate here is another example from history. Uh, Henry Kissinger went to uh, Israel in '67. I think that's when they got the Sinai Desert. The Israelis they wreaked havoc against the Egyptians. And the Syrians, and I believe the Iraqis and the Iranians as well. I'm not sure about the last two. Anyhow, Jordanians? Sma- yes, yes, Jordanians. After smashing a majority of the Middle East forces, the Israelis were refusing to give up uh, this part of the desert on the peninsula, which uh, the Americans were saying would increase further conflict. And Kissinger went down there and they started negotiating with them, and uh, you know. If you look at the personality of leaders, they don't argue. An effective leader will not argue. Rather, they will show they are right. You understand what I mean?
1: They will just give a statement and stick to it.
0: Give a statement and they'll also show that they are right in one way or another. I mean, there are so many examples, but anyway, this Kissinger example should be sufficient. Kissinger finally told them he wanted to see the fortress at Samara. And I believe, if I remember correctly, the fortress at Samara is the one when the Romans, uh, the garrisons, invaded the Jews. They went into the fortress on a hill and they decided to kill themselves, a thousand of them, rather than surrender.
1: Uh, I think it's the Samara or the siege of Masada.
0: One or the other. And uh, Kissinger basically, uh, you know, stopped negotiating and he said, look, I want to rest. Can you please show me that fortress? And the Israelis are like, yeah, sure. And they took him there. And the generals at that time, Arik Sharon and all the others, the Israeli prime minister, the diplomats, they all understood what he was saying. In reality, he was saying that, look, this is that fortress. You guys are committing the same mass suicide which your ancestors did all those years back. And the barb here was that you guys got nothing when your ancestors committed that suicide. Rather, you guys were expelled from your own homeland. That you know, the Romans had this concern that if they're so suicidal, we might as well kick them out of their own homes; otherwise, there'll be a problem for us. You know what the Israelis did? Tell me. For the first and only time in history, someone actually outplayed Kissinger. They took him to several other minor fortresses where the same event had happened on a minor scale, and they turned and said to him that this is actually, you know, replete in our history. Why should this time be any different? And Kissinger had to, you know, keep his mouth shut and come back to the states and they had to find another way to negotiate that surrender from the Israelis.
1: I think it's the it's the Masada.
0: The thing being The example that you're talking Yep. The thing being that when people's backs are against the wall, when their backs are to the sea, when they know that this is their only home, they will do everything possible to protect it. True. It's it's true. I mean, if you look at Vadakalukara, Lukara, now the Shigur Soba of Senapati actually relates the incident that Guru Gobind Singh Ji, I believe, was coming back from the Rustam Ijang, they sent Rustam Khan and uh, Guru Gobind Singh uh, Singh's uh, 200 or 500 went and defeated them Sikh warriors before the, you know, And as they were coming back, there was a village and Guru Gobind Singh sent orders to them and told them that this is a village of Rangars. The entire populace is against the Sikhs. Rather than have these people on our borders spying on us, destroy the whole village and kick them out. And that's exactly what happened. You know, that's exactly what happened. Now, when you need to protect something, when you need to preserve something or succeed in something, you will do anything possible to do it. I mean, obviously, there's a, that uh, thing about, you know, being tarmik, that there is taram. But, you know, as Shankya says, you know, in the Shankya Niti, not the modern version we have now, which starts with Ekkyonkar, Sadhguru Prasad, and all this religious stuff brought into it. Reality is that power has no religion Either power corrupts or other power is subdued. You need power to be able to do anything in this world. You need to understand both good and evil and utilize it accordingly. You know, when you're in a powerful position, you don't want to let go of that powerful position. That's the first thing we can learn from Israel. Second thing is, I mean, let's just imagine for a minute, there is a Sikh state tomorrow. Is that easy enough for you to imagine? I have the mental capacity, yes. <laughs> uh, and, okay, so let the listeners imagine it as well. So there's a Sikh state. Obviously, it's been created through conflict. We have uh, two hostile, three hostile countries on our borders. we got, you know, on one hand, we have, you know, India. On the other, we have Pakistan. Then we have China. We're involved in a very delicate balance between three. Now, it would serve the interests of all countries if they could create an incident or a chaotic situation in which we seem to be the ones doing the, you know, conflict. We seem to be the ones inciting the conflict and everyone else can just gang up on us and get rid of us. You see what I mean? You know, like a sleeper. Yep, false flag, false flag. That's what I meant. Wouldn't we do everything possible in our power to prevent that incident even if it meant that we sent our own soldiers our own spies into these other countries to destabilize their political and intelligence form, uh, frameworks
1: we will need to it, it won't be about being let's say right or wrong is, is this a good strategy to follow but well, it is a good strategy the morality of an individual is out of the window at this moment it's all about survival
0: I mean, there is a myth that has been articulated after partition that the Sikhs never attacked Malayr Kotla. The Sikhs never attacked Malayr Kotla during partition, but they've attacked it before Bandar Singh Badr. Pretty much, you know, sacked the whole city and destroyed everything of value. And uh, Sher Mohammed Khan died at the hands of the Sikhs. That's another thing. And Guru Gobind uh, Singh not, Ji had... Not many No, not many people know not. that Guru Gobind Singh Ji had basically told him that, you know, stay on the line and you will have no problem with them go against him and they will finish you off. There was never anything like, you know, you will be blessed, you will live forever, whatever gup stories we have today.
1: There's a, a, another question that you need to ask anybody who, who delivers you this story. Yep. That he, Sher mohammed Khan, let's say he opposed the execution of Sahib Zadeh. Yeah? Yep. But did he give up the hate he had for Sikhs and Guru sahib?
0: That's the thing. That's the thing. I mean... He walked out of the court with a weak excuse. He feared that the Sikhs would come back because after all, he had seen how his brother had been killed at Chamkor. He still felt that the Guru had a fight in him. But really, at the end of the day, what was stopping him from petitioning the emperor at Delhi that, you know, do we really have to kill the boys?
1: Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That's the tactical thinking, you know, foresight and everything. But okay, that, that's entitled to the political side. But the question that I ask is simple. Let's say he favoured the sahib at that moment. But he did he gave up the enmity, the hatred he had towards us and Guru no, Sabs.
0: No, he didn't. He didn't. At the end of the day, he was one of the main primary commanders who came to Vazir Khan's side at the Battle of Chapar it He did, yeah. And the thing is, let's take a look at it this way. find then this same Maler Kotla assisted Abdali during the Vadaka and then Jasa Sangaluwalya returned and with the you know Buddha Dal uh, consisting of the five missiles they had then in that region, they destroyed the entire city and they killed a lot of people. Now <clears throat> out of a hundred people, maybe one or two were Sikh sympathizers, but they stayed quiet. They did not return home to their kids. Who's at fault?
1: Well, can't answer that.
0: Can't answer that because it's pretty hard to answer. But the thing is that conflict is pretty dirty and protecting your gains is even more dirty.
1: We talked about that in case there's a Sikh state, let's say, and uh, drawing parallels from Israel, would you allow? would you allow people from the neighboring countries to immigrate for your country.
0: Okay, so you remember Arik Sharon, also called Ariel Sharon? Yeah, yeah. Sharon is considered the father of the Israeli special forces, and that's not something, you know, that's not something small. That's really not saying something small. This is a man whose 200 paratroopers would change the face of combat forever in the 20th century, particularly when they parachuted into zones where tanks were blasting Israeli positions, destabilized the tanks, and pretty much wiped out entire infantry units. That's that's what I'm talking about. And <clears throat> Sharon was the man who pushed for outward expansion, settling immigrants into Israel, and, you know, building establishments into Palestine. He wanted to, you know, out to the Palestinians at their own game. The theory at that time was that if you keep on expanding Israel, the Palestinians will be forced back. However, when it came to Sharon becoming prime minister and he saw them in parliament and he realized what was going on, this is what he actually had to say, that really at the end of the day, this is a democratic era. This is a democracy now. Can we really have a twenty percent Israeli population and an eighty percent Palestinian population and still call it a Israeli state? Can we really deny people their fundamental right to you know democracy to vote in this current age? So wouldn't it be better that we just give them the Palestinian state they want? It wasn't a popular move at the time, but it has repercussions and it still has lessons for us.
1: Okay. All right. All right. I, I read about this a few years ago. Just right next to Israel, there's a small country called Lebanon. Yep. Now, I don't know how many people know this, but the Middle East used to be primarily Christian before the advent of Islam, yeah?
0: Yes, yes, that's right.
1: And the, and, and the Middle East was... Let's say, had a sizable Christian population well into the times before the European colonists arrived. Yes. In about 1910, the area of Lebanon was more than 75% Christian. Yep. What's the Christian percentage today in Lebanon?
0: I believe it's below
1: 3%. No, no, it's not 3%. It's about 34
0: 35%. Oh, okay, okay. So it has depleted, pretty much. That's ultimately the conclusion we can reach.
1: So what's stopping another nation, a different identity, a different loyalty, a different loyalty to come to your country, outbreed you, and destroy whatever you, you have built?
0: See, one thing you don't brought, need to,
1: you, you don't need to invade a country today.
0: No, you don't. I mean, when I brought this up on a forum recently this week, and the you know, people were a bit surprised and a bit taken aback, and they were like, Oh, so would you, you know, annex land in Pakistan, etc. etc.? But the thing is that they were pointing out that Maharaja Ranjit Singh had a secular rule. That, you know, here's something which people seem to be missing Ranjit Singh was a monarch a one-man show, right? Yep. Sayed and Jeet Singh Solad had not been that useless or, you know, the most useful ones, the most intelligent ones had succeeded in undoing Dogra designs. And then eventually down the track, we either had a Dogra... Okay, so let's just say Tians Singh Dogra, you know, succeeded. When Hira Singh Dogra was installed as a vessel, or not a vessel, I mean as one of the regents down there to rule in the name of the... Maharaj's family, we didn't tolerate him and his ways then. Do you really think we would have tolerated a non-Sikh monarch holding power in a Sikh empire? No, it's a matter of survival. It's, It's a matter of survival. End of the day, if you look at the Khalsa missiles, there were all sorts of people associated with it, but the power of Jathedari, Misaldari, and Sardari was always in the hands of a Sikh, uh, initiated Amritari Sikh. This point for the of Jatha. One thing which Hari Ram Gupta was never able to explain that he you know, he always asserted that Banda never took Amrit, Banda Singh Badr was a non-Amritari because obviously his community did not have, does not have so many glorious heroes. Anyway, as we know, the Panth, Prakash, and other texts do confirm that Banda Singh took Amrit, and these guys were misquoting, as there are a lot to due today as well. Anyhow, why would Guru Gobind Singh choose a non-Sikh to lead a Sikhs?
1: Well, yeah, that's true. We have actually discussed this in our, our podcast we had done.
0: So at the end of the day, when we are talking about today's time, fine, then even if there's an imperial monarchy or whatever, at the end of the day, democracy will come into that system. It has to, it will come into the system. When it does come into the system, or otherwise there is political representation to the monarch. Will we really tolerate being outvoited, outmaneuvered, and outnumbered on our own political and territorial ground?
1: We are going to be outnumbered, outmaneuvered, and we will lose power all
0: of it i mean look at how we complain about the payas and the unskilled laborer, laborers who are coming into punjab
1: man i've seen it with my own eyes the very streets that i played in as a kid now there is not even a nat- a single native punjabi kid playing in those streets
0: and do you tolerate that
1: Well, we do tolerate that because we can't do anything about
0: it. Hmm, hmm. I mean, it's the same thing all over the place. And once we have our own nation, I mean, obviously it's easy to say that Sikhi is utopian, we are selfless, we are for everyone else. But even the gurus never became walls or even nuts. They avoided that altogether, so why can't we? We are not utopian, are we? We are not utopian. I mean, at the end of the day, Sikhi's message is timeless, and the timeless message is saying that, you know, man, will, man has imperfections. So man will forever have imperfections, and he has to overcome those imperfections. Can do you really think individual perfection is going to lead to societal perfection where everyone is on the same page? I don't think so. If we don't have disagreements, we can't progress.
1: Well, of course, yeah, we'll have disagreements, I will listen to you, you'll listen to me, and no, we'll have some improvement and therefore progress, yeah? That's true, that's how it goes. But it's contingent upon you and I both having a sound mind and having good intentions. If your intention is subversion, I cannot compete against you.
0: That's exactly the thing. And that's the thing we're trying to get it down here is that at the end of the day, end of the day, we will be disagreeing among each other. But when it comes to protecting each other, we will have everyone's back against the foreigners. And those of us who say that, you know, the foreign element should be allowed, etc., etc., we'll tell them, get out of here.
1: There are people today who are advocating that our 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 children, our boys and girls, should marry our Tatsiki because no.
0: The thing is, like I discussed with you last time regarding the Kabir Panthi case, anyway that uncle got very angry and he left the group, because uh, obviously it was an issue over a certain type of a kirpan, you will break your hand if you use that kirpan in combat, so uncle got very angry and said no, that kirpan belongs to an institute, started by Guru Gobind Singh ji, and he was asked for evidence and he got angry and left. Anyway, anyway. On that issue, like I replied to him that what definition of Kabir do Kabir Pantis have when they say Guru Nanak worshipped Kabir based on a misappropriated, mistranslated Shabad? On the same grounds, do others believe kudrat Ke
1: It's very similar to, let's say, going on a hike in Mm -hmm. a forest. and, And you can say, okay, I don't eat bears the bears won't eat me. I don't attack bears, the bears won't attack me. Go, try it and see what happens. It's the it's very same thing that uh, I think that there was, that there was a couple who went hiking into ISIS captured territory because people are inherently good. They
0: got murdered. <laughs> I mean, let's take a look at it from this way. Now, Ratan Singh Pangu, Anyway, we're having a historian who spent a lot of his life uh, studying Bandha Singh Bhadra and clearing up his name coming up next week, coming on to the episode, actually. Anyhow, what he told me is that he's actually started looking at these accounts and he saw Pangu's account. 90% of Pangu is accurate. Only 10% of that Bandha Singh Bhadra and the guru part is wrong. Anyhow, Pangu actually studied how accurate the, you know, Banda's battles, where everything was. And here's something he uh, actually wrote in that Granthati Andir, which is read at in Gurudwaras today. You know what the sentiments were among the Muslims at the time when Banda Singh was in the ascendant? This is what they used to say. Logan ke wo that he's going to wipe out all Muslims from the subcontinent, all Brahmins from the subcontinent. That's what people were saying at the time. And <clears throat> if you look at it from another point of view, Banda Singh Badr made this rule so if a low caste person came and became a Sikh, whenever he went back to his village, he would have a you know letter from Bandha Singh confirming that the village was now the Khalsa's village. All the Brahmins used to come and fall at his feet. Whereas in you know their faith, a Brahmin doing this is blasphemy. But Bandha Singh did not care for that. He dismantled Sharia courts. Pretty much he brought in a new system which sped on the old system. He didn't care about Kudrat Ke Sabbandi or anything then, so why should we today?
1: It's actually mistranslated or misappropriated, I would say. Kudrat Ke Bandi means we are all created by, let's say, one creator. And there is, there is no distinction based on, based on your birth.
0: There's a Shabad or...
1: It, it doesn't mean that I can't distinguish, di- distinguish between an ISIS fighter and my neighbor who is an electrician.
0: There's a Shabad by the Pats which talks about how Guru Nanak's uh, own sons turned against him. And suddenly it's been misappropriate to say that, no, Gurbani is saying that everyone is the son of Guru Nanak, but uh, some of these sons don't listen to Baba Nanak, and this does not refer to uh, Shri Chandan Lakhmidas in general, Karlo Gali here.
1: <laughs> well well, it depends on your intentions what they are trying to do they might have something to sell
0: mm-hmm. point is at the end of the day <clears throat> we have become walls but you know regarding real politic we need to become nuts it's, it's time we do become nuts Look at it this way. When Bandar Singh sets out from the undead, he's got a mission. The Sikhs became nuts. They tore up out the Mughal and the Hindu walls at the time. Throughout their history, whenever it's come to political and, uh, you know, sovereignty, how to establish that the discourse has been very, very, very loaded with grim potence and, you know, lacking emotionalism, that, you know, I want everyone to be happy, I want everyone to be perfect, nothing like that. The you know, Singh used to say this hard road. We are going to die. They're going to die. Can't stand the sight of blood. Get back to the kitchen. Even Khalsa women at the time were more braver than the entire sick lot we have today who say that, oh, we should have a mixed system like Maharaja Ranjit Singh. End of the day. End of the day. Do we? Okay. Tell me this. People call Maharaja Ramseed Singh a Tar raja. Am I right? Well,
1: yeah, some of them do, yeah, correct.
0: So, Tar raja. this is what Tar raja did. He had his mother in law, Sadakor, and the Kanaya missile fight for him. And when everything was in his hand, when Punjab was in his grip, when the hard work was done, he took credit and chucked her in confinement where she died, cursing her last days. That, you know, why did she trust this man in the first place? Is that Tar raja? no see all these things come back to bite us because there is no such thing as righteousness in politics never is fine then you're a righteous person you have a vision for your nation for your people and you believe it's right you will try implementing it by hook and crook but even then it will have to be a velvet glove iron hand inside that glove
1: An iron fist in a velvet glove.
0: Iron fist in a velvet glove.
1: And uh, speaking of Israel, uh, I think I do have some knowledge about how that country operates. Yep. I think there is a law that a Jewish woman cannot marry a non-Jewish person.
0: Okay, I haven't heard about it, but I haven't, yep.
1: Uh, uh, there was a hearing in either 2019 or 2021 because there was this conflict that the Arab Israelis wanted to marry those Arabs in the Palestinian territories and bring them over to Israel. Yep. So there, there was some conflict. There was some law. Uh, uh, I tried Googling it yesterday. Uh, now, I couldn't find the exact text of that law.
0: Mm. End of the day, politics so, and nation-building is a very dirty business. It is a dirty business. You will be breaking a lot of hearts. You will be walking on a lot of corpses. You will be doing quite a lot of that. End of the day, the gurus fought. Yes.
1: When you mention a lot of corpses, those corpses are not going to be of your enemies. Not all of no, them.
0: Not all of them. There will be many mm-hmm. innocents as well.
1: No, no well, Innocent is a different thing. Their, their, let's say, statecraft in, in the modern world is well, it's a different thing. You will need to remove your own people because they might not have the best idea for the future of your country, your company or your family.
0: Ranjit removed that's Sadakor.
1: The, that's, the, that's the bitter reality. You have to do it. There is no other way.
0: Ranjitkar removed Sadakor. When we have the Sukkarchakiyas and the Polkias, they had Bir Singh Rangret and his commanders killed inside the Darbar side. Why? Because they refused to go along with their scheme that, you know, the missiles and missile sardars become, you know, absolute in their powers. They wanted to keep it like Nawab Kapoor Singh had the system, conversant with the Kal's ideology. But then when Nawab Kapoor Singh becomes the Nawab as well, you know, Nawab of the Panth, you really think that men just took a Hokam Nama did Simran and just went along his way and everything fell into perfect pieces. Nothing like that. He played the political game as well. well uh, that's
1: the bitter reality of the world. It's not all about sunshine, rabbits, and rainbows. The world's yep. a very cruel place. That, that's, the, that's your first starting point, that I have to secure a future for my own people. Could be could be anything. It, it could be your family, it could be your Sikh nation, or it could be your people in terms of your ethnicity or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if we're coming back to the point of selfishness, that this is my home, you can knock on my door to let you enter or not, that's my choice.
0: Is that selfishness or is that common sense?
1: Basic common sense.
0: Basic common sense at the end of the day. Basic common sense. And surely during the Guru's times, many spies, many such individuals would have tried infiltrating the Sangat and the Guru stopped it straight away. I mean, the Niang still credit that the tradition of uh, making Muslims consume pork before giving the Mamrit was started by Guru Gobind Singh himself.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: You know, so there were always going to be parameters and regulations to this. The Gurus wanted their Sikhs to be, you know, politically astute. That didn't mean they just read a few, uh, you know, Persian epics, uh, Hindi epics, uh, read the Raman and the Mahapartha and just, uh, you know, do whatever they do today. Reality was, you also implement whatever lessons you take from Kudrat or whatever texts you read. See, recently on Twitter... uh, the Twitter account had an argument with one of the other Twitter accounts and they got me along. So I went there as well and I actually started using that account. Individual in question believe that, you know, Hovens are a part of Siki, et cetera, et cetera. And we discussed this last time as well, why they aren't. And we will be discussing this in the future. Anyhow, the question that was posed to him is that at the end of the day, end of the day, and this was pointed out to us by one of our uh, team members who's a convert to Sikhi, right? He's a white convert. And he actually said that he grew up, you know, listening to all these tales of secret Sikh martial lineages, all these mantras, etc., etc. When he actually looked around, researched history impartially, he realized that no Havan, no Chandi, no Devi, no Durga, no Devta came to the Khalsa's aid. The fact that the Sikhs lasted against the British was that Ranjit Singh had the foresight to modernize the Khalsa army. Yes, the few skirmishes the missiles had with the white foreigners went in the missiles favor but these were skirmishes have you heard about george thomas
1: i heard about him yep
0: yep he's the one who actually saved gunnar in a patiara and they had a bit of a love story going along Mm mm-hmm It was only when Thomas tired and left India that the missiles actually were able to do something about his holdings, but otherwise they were never able to get rid of him. No matter how hard they tried, the men outsmarted them over and over again.
1: It's actually quite interesting because uh, I'm not too sure if you know that, that uh, the Sikh army or let's say the elite troops of the Sikh army were given commands in French language.
0: One of the things which I actually read was that one day Ranjit Singh had Alad come over and uh, he told Allard that, look, uh, there's a river in flood, I want you to guide my forces over so it. And Alad said, no problem, give me an elephant and uh, I'll start directing the men. And he started giving command to his regiments, you know, through the trumpet horn, through flag signals. And they built a bridge and everyone crossed over that bridge, including the elephant. Everyone was safe on the other side. Then Ranjit Singh got his court, uh, chadra, the cavalry along... And the came along as well, and he said, across uh, cross over the, you know, flooded river," and they said, "Oh, so a Frangi builds a bridge, wastes time. We don't have time in war, Maharaja. Watch us!" And over uh, fifty or seventy of them drowned straight away.
1: Well, I have a lot of similar stories, but we will talk about them. Not today. It's actually. Well, yeah, I know where all, all this comes from.
0: Yep. Point being that at the end of the day, end of the day, if we really think that somehow all these things we have mistaken for Sikhi, this religion, this spirituality, and only the best bits of our history are going to help us build a nation in the future, forget about it. You know, we're just going to end up like the walls being torn apart over and over and over again.
1: How many nuts would it take to tear apart a wall?
0: Here's a question for you. Let's imagine the Sikhs as a wall. How many more nuts do we need to tear us apart? Just one. Just one. And that will be our own doing. It won't be our own doing.
1: We will, let's say, respectfully carry the nut from a foreign land into our land. We will serve that nut nut longer 24-7. And (laughs) we will actually help that nut erode our foundations
0: see this is why I say that if Zakaria Khan had been alive today and he sent the Sikhs Nwabi at that time the Sikhs you know it was really an offer at the end of the day choose your own Nawab rather than offering Nwabi like you know it's claimed today anyhow they were smart enough to take it and start preparing for the eventual fight but if it was today we would probably be honoring Zakaria Khan with Sir <laughs> true true and you know we'll be on the stage and we'll say, "Ek si sai miamir, ek si sarmad, ek si Baba Bullesha, ek si Pir Badusha. Inne ne kitha karbaniyat tiya, inne aane se ki naal, hath naal hath malai. Ek si pa pakht, ji, ek si ye, ek si o, hona ja gaya paisa paisa, karia Khan ji, bolos satnam, Shri Wahiguru, Wahiguru, Wahiguru." And and then and he, when he oh, yep. Yeah. And then when he comes and to he was slaughter a, us,
1: an, yep. yeah, And he was an avatar of some famous mahapur from the history.
0: And then when he comes to slaughter us, actually, I don't even think he would bother slaughtering us. He'll be like, "These guys are, you know, Maha idiots. Let's just use them in my own wars." They sell these cannon things, fodder.
1: Come.
0: Cannon fodder. That's exactly what he would do. So this is guys are cannon fodder. So imagine how astute Bandar Singh Badr and the others would have been that he used to have nightmares about them. And those same men with the same conviction could have given us a state like Israel if he had them among us. Rather, we had Master tara Singh. And what did Master Ji realize when he was in jail during the 50s? Oh, that there's a country called Israel and it's a minority state. And this is the leadership we have. Yeah, Sharamondia, when we read his account in the uh, you know, books that this is what Master Tara Singh said that I didn't know there was a Israel or the history of Israel until the fifties. Like, what can you say, man? I'm like trying really hard not to say what I want to say.
1: I can understand you.
0: There is no awareness of the world. You know, we keep on saying the Israelis have their own state, own state. They have an awareness of the world. You know, the man who finally uh, made the Zionist movement, which got them uh, Israel, you know, Herzl? Yeah. You know, the man wasn't even religious, he was just a journalist.
1: Well, he wasn't a religious person, that's true. And I think we have talked about it. Jinnah wasn't a religious person either.
0: No, 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 no. That's not to say that you, we should be making Monies leaders, etc., etc. et cetera. But the thing is that if you do have a religious leader, at least find out that has he got the brains to do something?
1: So, so it's, entirely, it's entirely political, yeah? Yep. But people are trying to make it religious.
0: At the end of the day, Sardar Kapoor Singh says that politics and religion will always be equal. One cannot trump the other.
1: It cannot trump the other.
0: And I think that's that's something the Jews have realized at the end of the day. You know, they could very easily have gotten a theocracy. It's a surprise Israel is not a theocracy.
1: They are preserving their traditions, that's true.
0: But nor are they saying that they're interpreting the political will of a perfect God on earth.
1: But they're not forcing their prime minister to, you know, be a strict religious Jew, whichever denomination.
0: Whichever denomination. And I think when we talk about lessons from Israel, the fact is we can take so many, but let's just take the fundamentals, you know, let's just keep a bit of awareness of what's happening around us, and we are Sikhs and we are dedicated to Saki.
1: Israel today has a sizable Arab Muslim population, yeah?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Punjab today has a sizable Baya population. Mm. Let's say tomorrow, if we actualize a state, a sovereign state of our own, and the four million odd Bayas, let's say, okay, they say, okay, we are becoming Sikhs today. We are not Mm -hmm. leaving. We were were born here, or we have lived here long enough. We don't want to leave. We speak the language. Now we are going to be officially converting to Sikhi. Would Mm -hmm. you allow that?
0: Factors that the first two generations will should not be allowed to avoid the third generation should be because we know the third generation, which grows up in front of us, is the one which will be fully conversant with Siki because we will leave no stone unturned in bombarding them with Sikh centric messages.
1: Sorry, you got disconnected. Can you repeat your last 20 yep. seconds or whatever you said?
0: What I said was that the first generation probably will not be allowed any, elect, uh, any voting rights. The second generation won't be allowed voting rights, but the third generation will be because they will be bombarded with Sikh-centric messages. That's when we can ensure that, yes, they're 101% Sikh, they will vote in favor of Sikhi, they will vote in favor of Sikh principles, in favor of Sikh goals. Otherwise, we will be making the same mistake as during Maharaja Ranjit Singh's time that people became Sikh for their own ends, but really, as Baba Nanak says in Asadivar, you're a Muslim at the, outside your house. You eat halal goat outside your house. Inside your house, you worship the cow and you keep your cow dung plasters. Similarly, on the outside, there will be Sikhs, but on the inside, there will be something else.
1: The people, okay, in 1947, let's say a lot of Sikhs and Hindus were forcefully converted to Islam in Pakistan. Yes. Their descendants today, let's say it's the third or fourth generation, do they consider themselves Muslims or do they say, okay, these people saved us from eternal hellfire and converted us to Islam and we are thankful and we are strict Muslims? Or would they say that we, my ancestors or my grandparents or great grandparents, were forced to convert to Islam at heart, we are still Sikhs or Hindus? Wouldn't That'll they say exact same thing? Yes. Exact same thing applied to the people that are in the, in the question I asked you.
0: That would, it would. Those guys are saying we're Muslims.
1: The exact same thing happened since we are talking about Israel to the word exist crypto Jews, especially during the Reconquista in the Iberian Peninsula. Yep. They were for- forced to convert to Christianity, but for a long, long time, there were Christians on the outside, but Jews on the inside.
0: But the thing is, for example, now in the Western world, you see this thing: a few individuals bring their parents across from their country of origination, and start cheating the welfare system. But the excuse has been made that no parents should be allowed from a, you know, if there are children are citizens or residences in a Western country. And the fact is that you know, think about it: they know that the grandchildren will be raised in the culture by the grandparents. And the grandparents and, you know, that culture sets the bar really high. I mean, in Sikhi, we don't beg. We set the bar really high. If, however, Sikh grandparents aren't allowed to come over from, you know, the Punjab and the Sikh, uh, you know, the adult couple are working, you know, day and night and don't have enough time for the children. Of course, the children are going to become useless beggars. Of course, the children are going to be welfare abusers. Similarly, Similarly, the state can enforce policies where your children turn against their very, uh, you know, very ancestral beliefs, ancestral principles.
1: Yep. America is the best example today.
0: Mm, That's the thing. That's the thing down here. Why else do you think Zakaria Khan and the Purbiyas were so insistent that Sikh women be raped? Whatever was born out of the rape down the track one day he would be saying he's a muslim i think that's how the rangers came about
1: Rangars Rang- are rajputs who were forced to convert
0: to islam mm, but there was rape involved wasn't there
1: well when it comes to the arabic faith a lot of rape is, is involved and that's uh, that's uh, a way to completely eradicate your enemy You you kill the men, yep, and then then you take the woman and force them to have your children. That's the way it has been done for a long, long time.
0: Sikhs don't do that. Sikhs will never do that. But that's why we have to be very proactive in safeguarding our interests before they're threatened. Take lessons from Israel. Take lessons from the past. Politics and nation building is no clean job. Just because we don't eat chicken, or just <laughs> sorry, just because we don't eat meat doesn't mean the lion won't eat us.
1: Yep, yep, very best. And you have to remember that, uh, okay, would you agree that individualism and hedonism are modern luxuries?
0: I guess so, yes.
1: So you can be an individual and you can be a hedonist in a society that you know has been protected by the very ideas you detest. Mm,
0: mm, mm-hmm.
1: Would, could you say that? Yep. There could be a weed smoking, a drug addict, Israeli hippie advocating for let's say open borders, but he is protected by the wall that Israelis have built that's being defended by soldiers who are willing to kill anything and everything that's coming to harm Israel.
0: Obviously, obviously.
1: So that's the lesson right there.
0: That's that's the primary lesson. Anyhow, thank you for today. And we will come back next week with our celebrated guest. Once you hear the name, you will be shocked. We literally had to give an arm and leg to invite him over, but let's see how everything goes khalsa until next week